on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports today, weekdays from 9 to 11, right here on WKOM 1017. You never know who's going to stop by. One of the leading voices, certainly in the Southeast, on college football, John Bryce with footballscoop.com. We have with us this morning Mike Keith, voice of the Titans, TWSAA Executive Director Bernard Childress, New York Times bestselling author, author of Three Ring Circus, which dropped yesterday, Mr. Jeff Perlman, the voice of the Blue. Raiders Chip Walters joining us. AP Tennessee Sports Editor, three-time Tennessee Sports Writer of the Year 2020 TSWA Hall of Famer. She covers the Titans, the Predators, the Grizzlies, college football, and hoops. Please make welcome Teresa Walker. High school sports is what we do, but it's not all we do. Don't forget about Top 5 Tuesday and Wild and Wacky Wednesday. Be sure and check us out from 9 to 11 a.m. on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports today. 1017 WKOM. Maurice and I would like to take a little time to thank Robert Rogers and all the folks at Parks Motor Sales for sponsoring the Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today special guest podcast. When you need special treatment during your next new or pre-owned vehicle purchase, visit Parks Motor Sales at 919 Nashville Highway in Columbia or visit them online at parksmotorsales.com. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. JP and Mo with you. Chris is on family assignment today as um, he and his uh, lovely wife Sarah will be welcoming in their firstborn today. Big day. February the 25th, Mo. As, uh, it, as it was pointed out to me last night when I got home and, and informed my other half, you know, updated yeah. her. She's like, she's going to be born on my birthday. So happy oh. birthday to Jody. There you go. Happy but, birthday, Jody. So, but, um, yeah, yeah, she's, she's hoping that this plays out in that manner. That, so that that'll be she easy. She and to remember. Charlie can celebrate yeah. birthdays together going forward. So. That'll, that'll be easy to remember. Yeah. Um, uh, what, what is your, uh, name going to be for Charlie? Do we know I, this yet? I, I think Papa Mo Papa was Mo? What, what they said. So you know, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how that goes. How's that feel? Yeah. Well, Jody already has two, and so yeah, yeah that's it's 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 kind of cool. I don't have a problem with it. There you go, it, Papa it's Mo. Ta- it's taken some getting used to, yeah. but I've had a little time. So yeah. yeah. Like it, like it. Um, well, we want to uh, bring in uh, our next guest, uh, no stranger to the program here, uh, with the athletic Joe Rexroad uh, joins us on the program. Joe, welcome back. Appreciate you joining us, guys. Thanks for having me. Good to be with you, Joe. Good morning, man. Um, has has any college basketball program been affected by injuries the last three years the way Vanderbilt has? Yeah, great, great question, Mo. I mean, my goodness. Uh, you think about, uh, you know, for, for anybody who doesn't know, you know, Dylan DeSue now, knee surgery, I guess, tomorrow. You know, probably have to wait for the swelling to go down. Um, so he's done for the year. And he's, you know, maybe not their best player, but he's it's a 1A, 1B thing with him and Pippen. And you go back to last year, their best player certainly was Aaron Neesmith, lost early in the season. And then we all know about Darius Garland the year before. Pretty amazing you have this kind of brutal luck. Um, also, just Vanderbilt in general, 
you know, yesterday, like a few hours before the game, you know, Keon Henry Brooks, who I think is probably the best football player coming back for Vanderbilt next year, announces he's going in the transfer portal. So it's like everything but baseball, uh, you know, right now there's like a cloud over it. <laughs> Hush your mouth, Joe. That was me knocking on wood right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah let's, they're, they're doing just fine. Let, 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 let's get, let's get Kamar and, and lighter and, um, and the kid that pitched last night, Christian, I lose his last Christian night. Right. Yeah, yeah. Christian, right. Yeah. But let, yeah. Let's get those guys wrapped in bubble wrap. You know, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Shoot. Um, unbelievable. On the, on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline, we do have Joe Rexroad of The Athletic, and I, and I didn't really let him get settled in, but the Commodores falling last night at Memorial Gym to 25th-ranked UT, 70-58. to 58. And with Scottie Pippen Jr. and with Dylan DeSue out, things got a little easier for UT because I really felt like the way Vandy had been playing the last little bit and the way UT had been playing the last little bit, this might have been a winnable ball game for Vanderbilt. Oh, very much so. I agree. You know, of course, Vanderbilt last week, I mean, Kentucky's playing really well. Kentucky's week last week was going to Vanderbilt, going to Tennessee. They had, they took a big lead against Vanderbilt, had to really scratch and claw to win. I mean, Jordan Wright had a chance to win that game at the foul line in the, in the last minute. And then they go to Knoxville and just thump the balls. And of course, Vanderbilt goes and almost beats Alabama on the road. So they've been playing really well, not getting rewarded for it. And like you said, Mo, I mean, Tennessee has not been playing well. And it's uh, just incredible to me that last night I went to Maxwell Evans go dunk on Eve Ponds. The fact that that would ever happen anyway was pretty amazing. And he had a chance to make that a three-point game late, uh, which I just I, – I never would have guessed it could have been that competitive, which I give credit to Vanderbilt for fighting and figuring out ways. And they hit a bunch of threes, you know, Trey Thomas and – Isaac McBride are hitting threes. I didn't know where they were going to get points. But also, to Tennessee. I mean, if Tennessee didn't have Victor Bailey red hot right now, I, I fear what this offense is already kind of a muddled mess, especially when this team has to play slow. And that's, I mean, to me, the book on Tennessee is unless you're a team that absolutely has to play at a high pace, I mean, make them play slow and play in the half court because. They, they are going to resort to jump shots if you play solid defense. So a lot of, a lot of things for them to work out. And I was, I was very surprised. I thought when we got that news last night, guys, that we were looking at like a 30, 35 point game just because I didn't know where Vanderbilt would score. And the fact that it wasn't a 30 or 35 point game, does that, should that be more of a concern for Tennessee? I mean, it, it seems to me that it was more on Tennessee that it wasn't a 30 or 35 point game. I mean, like you said, Vanderbilt stayed in it, but Tennessee wasn't able to blow them out. Yeah. You know, just, just some weird turnovers and even just possessions in the half court where it's kind of like the, I just feel like this team has a, a, a crisis, a little identity crisis a little bit right now in terms of who should be doing what. And it, it, it hurts that John Fulkerson just appears to have no confidence or he's banged up. He's lost his confidence, whatever it is. You know, John Fulkerson, the first 12 games of the year, averaging 12.2 points a game, getting to the line, I think about five times a game, you know, being aggressive. And that's, 
when you have to play half court, that's what I thought this team would be. They can throw into Fulkerson. He can at least get himself a decent shot. He can draw a foul. He can, if he draws extra defense, he makes the right pass. And it's like they've totally lost that element. And as we know, I mean, Rick Barnes, I mean, you talk about someone who knew exactly what he wanted to do, a team that did. When they were in a tough spot with those great teams a few years ago, you throw it into Grant Williams, and he's going to do something for you. And I thought not to that same level, but I thought to some level, Fulkerson would be that, and he's not. And so he played 16 minutes last night. And um, so I think their best lineup is with Pons at the five and going small, but you still have to, like, you have to be able to be in the paint one way or the other, you know, and, and force teams to guard you. And I don't think they drive enough. I don't think they attack enough. And I think moving forward, I mean, who, who saved them last night? You got a Keon Johnson backdoor dunk. Jaden Springer, the next possession, just drives in one-on-one and makes a tough leaner off the glass. And those are the two plays of the game. And as they move forward, I think they just have to feature those freshmen more and maybe post them up more and hope that Ponds, if Fulkerson can't figure it out, at least that Ponds watches film of him like driving and dunking on three guys and realizes you don't have to shoot fade away a 15-footer. Don't use that big, strong body. If you get fouled, great. That's good. You know, um, Chris and I have talked about Fulkerson, and I'm wondering, Joe, is the Fulkerson that we saw last year, was that the anomaly? I mean, is he regressing to the norm this year? Are we expecting too much out of him? See, I would, I, I could buy that more easily if this was this whole year. But again, I mean, the first 12 games of this year, it's exactly what I thought he'd be this year, you know. I, I knew his scoring errors because last year I think he was what, 14 and a half mm-hmm. or something like that. And, they, and he had to. And that team was so limited. So I figured his scoring errors would go down, but I thought he could, you know, maybe be better. I mean, he talked the offseason about extending his range. That hasn't really come into play, but still. 12.2 points a game in the first 12 games of the year. There's some good teams mixed in there. Um, that's exactly what you want from him. So, I, I mean, I, I feel like there's something – that happened around midseason that has, you know, affected him. Um, and I, you know, again, I mean, I asked Rick Barnes this question Monday, like, is there some kind of physical thing that we don't know about? And Rick Barnes basically was like, man, I mean, we've asked the same question, but they think it's mental, it's confidence. So, so yeah, I think you're right. Like last year, like, you know, he goes to Kentucky and just tears them apart one night. That's an anomaly. That's not him. He's not going to be some dominant guy. He's not an NBA player. But he's a guy that I think if you can just at least rely on being able to throw the ball into him in tough spots, get 10, 12 points from him, that's fine. That's perfect. 20, 25 minutes. Then I think this team would just be much better off. Right now he's headed toward, you know, he's in the mid-teens in minutes and very little. I think he took, what, two shots last night? Or maybe maybe three or four. I mean, that's just not enough. And, And this team needs some kind of presence inside. Conversely, you talk about this Vanderbilt team in the week they had last week. Lost to Kentucky, lost to Alabama by matching 82-78 scores. Now, obviously, they're, again, without Pippen for some period of time, without DeSue for the rest of the season. Um, you had a great article not too long ago on Jerry Stackhouse, the, the second-year Vanderbilt coach, and um, what he's dealing with, what he's dealt with. They are farther along than 
some people want to give them credit for. Is that fair to say? Um, that you're saying that the program under Stackhouse yes. is not as far along? No, it is farther along. I, I think that there oh, has been more yeah. improvement made under during Stackhouse's tenure than some people care to believe or acknowledge. Oh, I don't, I, I, no, I, I absolutely do. And I understand, look, at some point, you know, it's like you, you are what your record says and all that stuff, and that's fine. But you also always have to look at starting point for any coach. And if a coach inherits a team that went 0-18 in the SEC, that tells you what you want to know, especially a team, you know, that had talent went 0-18 in the SEC. So there was a lot to do. I mean, to me, the perfect example of progress would be a guy who's in the NBA right now, Saban Lee. You told me after his sophomore year, after his first two years under Bryce Drew, that he would be this year, you know, uh, getting 21 points and, like, really controlling an NBA game. I, I would have said there's just no way. Now, whenever these things happen, I always say, look, the first credit has to go to the player. I mean, the player works uh, 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 in whatever sport it is. I mean, it's still – that's. The ultimate, and I think sometimes coaches take too much credit for that. I mean, John Calipari is like, look at all the NBA players that developed. And it's like, yeah, well, you recruited NBA players, and they were there for a year. So, I mean, I'm sure, you know, they improved in that year. But, I mean, sometimes that goes overboard. So I don't want to give Stackhouse too much credit for Saban Lee, but look at how he played last year and how he turned into a guy who sees the floor, who attacks. He put him in spots that, you know, that emphasized his strength and he took away, his, you know, and de-emphasized his weakness. And that's what coaching is, putting guys in position. So there's a guy who definitely owes some something to what Stackhouse did as a coach. I mean, look at how much better Pippen is this year than last year. Look at how much better DeSue has been this year than last year. Players are improving. They are improving as a team. They're not getting the results. They could also, I mean, they could easily right now have six or seven SEC wins. You got to learn how to win. And again, you know, at some point you got to do it. You got to flip it around. You got to win games. But I think if you are a Vanderbilt fan and you closely watch this program, I don't know how you could possibly not detect the progress. I think that if you don't, I think you had your in your mind made up that you weren't going to. I mean, I think it's actually pretty easy to see. Joe Rex Road, our guest on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline. Joe, this is JP. And, and, and as a Vandy fan, yes, I can tell the difference. Of course, as a Vandy fan, you know, we are uh, all about moral victories. That's what we're, that's what we <laughs> grew up on, right? Um, I, I want to expand a little bit, uh, to the conference, uh, as a whole, uh, Arkansas over Alabama last night. That's five in a row now for the Razorbacks heading into postseason. How would you rank the SEC top-tier teams that have a shot uh, into the tournament? I mean, Alabama, obviously, with the record, probably going to win the regular season, um, but they don't appear to be as good as they were early in the year. How would you rank the uh, SEC top-tier? Yeah, that's a that's a great question, JP. Obviously, a big win for Arkansas, uh, really fiery, good game, and I, I like Arkansas. No one has talked about them, but that's a team I think could be dangerous. Certainly Alabama. I mean, my concern with Alabama is you have, it's just a team that is so reliant on shooting. Um, you have that one cold night where sometimes, you know, sometimes it can snowball either way with an outside shooting. Team. And if you have that, that cold night, are you good enough all the way around to beat a good team? You know, we'll see, but I mean, it's still a really, I mean, it's a really good team. Uh, they're so much fun to watch. 
Um, and, you know, I think when they're fully healthy, they are dangerous. Um, you know, like I still think, I, I still think Tennessee absolutely belongs on a list of teams that could do damage in the tournament. Um, they, they have things to figure out, but they have also, they have some performances and stretches to point to this year too, where it's like, see, this, this win, like this will win in March, you know, defending and rebounding and running. And they've got, I mean, I think they're so uh, much better at a faster pace. I think they're dangerous still. I also, listen, if Tennessee goes out early to a lower seed, I'm not going to be shocked um, because I think they have let themselves be too reliant on shooting. But those three, um, I I still, I like Florida too, you know, as a team. I mean, the SEC is weird this year. Whenever Kentucky's down, it, it feels like a really down league. But I do think there are a lot of, and there aren't, you know, in in that void, no one has stepped in and been, you know, it's like a one-seat kind of team. Maybe Alabama kind of looked that way early. But I do think there are a lot of good teams, good programs, good coaches that could sneak up and, and do some damage. I'm really interested looking at what Kermit Davis is doing with Ole Miss right now on a little run and trying to get them into the field. And they could be dangerous if they got in. You kind of led me to my next question, Joe. Um, you know, the lack of blue bloods really across all of college basketball, Kentucky uh, in that mix as well. It makes it feel as a whole that the conference may be down, but I think it's quite the opposite. It's it's a little more deep than it's been. And you look back the last two or three years, uh, it's been that way. It's better than it was, right? Right? Oh, no doubt. I mean, I remember, you know, so I, I got here five years ago and it was bad. Um, you know, the league just was not good. You know, it was Kentucky and everybody else. And, um, it has, I think it's gotten way better, way deeper, better roster of coaches. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's definitely progress, but you know, whenever you talk about leagues, you know, when you're comparing leagues, this league's up, this league's down, rank them or whatever, a lot of it comes down to is your blue blood playing like a blue blood or do you have, you know, do you have elite teams? And obviously there are other leagues that are, are stronger than, than the SEC this year. So I guess in a way, I mean, I guess if Kentucky has a year like this, you have to call it a down year, and I think that's fair. But still, solid programs with some really good players and some teams that I think once they get into that tournament can do something. And I think, I mean, look, look at Vanderbilt. You know, obviously you're talking about last place. That's, a, that's a, not a bad – when they're healthy, when they've been healthy – it's a pretty good look every night for anybody who plays them. I mean, ask all these teams that had to survive them and, and you know, it's Kentucky twice. Um, I think, I think like you said earlier, Mo, I mean, I think Vanderbilt was primed to maybe win that game last night with a full squad. So that's the thing when you have depth, it, it does matter. It should be considered, but in that national conversation, people focus on the Kentuckys, the Dukes, et cetera, et cetera. And it's interesting that you both you guys say that because next Thursday we have got teed up CBS Sports Bracketologist Jerry Palm to come on with us and kind of um, give us that 30,000-foot view of the SEC and the brackets in general, that kind of thing. So looking forward to that next Thursday um, during this same hour. So if you're listening, put that on your calendar. But, um, Joe, you, you had a, a tweet, I think, 
either yesterday or the day before regarding maybe a UT Belmont matchup in the opening round of the NCAAs. And I'm not asking you about this from a UT standpoint, but from a Belmont standpoint, we had Casey Alexander on a few weeks ago. Obviously, what they are doing right now has been pretty well chronicled. How high do you see them getting in a best-case scenario? Man, that's such a great question. Um, I mean, if you go by the Palms and Lenardis of the world, I think most people have them around that 12 spot. And, you know, I think this team could be better than that. Um, it's just they just ended up not having that opportunity this year. Um, I think this team absolutely could have a couple real strong victories in its back pocket. You know, they were supposed to play in that tournament in Orlando. Uh, I know, I think they were actually going to, Specifically, play Michigan State. Well, I guess this year that wouldn't have mattered as much. Michigan State's not very good, but you know, maybe somebody else in Orlando, another maybe their other two games would have been you know really good chances for wins. Um, it, it's just like by the strictly by the numbers. Obviously, you know they don't have um, they don't have numbers that even compare with like past Belmont teams' profiles uh, going into Selection Sunday. But my goodness, they're twenty four and one, you know, <laughs> and. Uh, uh, so, like to me, if they win these two this weekend, and, and they're tough games, you know, Eastern Kentucky, Morehead State, second, third in the league, and then, you know, do what they intend to do in the OVC tourney. You're talking, I guess they'd only play two games, right? I think that's right. Uh, the way they do the tournament, mm-hmm. I believe that's right. Yeah, yeah, because so, they get a, they get a bite of the semis, I believe. Get a yeah, get a bite of the semis. So you're talking about twenty eight and one. I mean. I, I, you know, I guess I'd still probably, strictly by the numbers, still expect them to be somewhere around a 12. That's a 12 that, whatever that five is, is not happy about it. And I understand. <laughs> we, you know, we talk about the 5 12 game anyway. That happens a lot. But, you know, that's whoever the five is. And I know it's, they, they say this stuff anyway, but you're going to hear a lot from that coach about how, you know, <laughs> this should not be who they're playing. <laughs> they're really, really good. Uh, Belmont is that perfect 12 seed. Yeah, no question. Uh, Joe Rex Road has been our guest here on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline. Joe, how can people uh, follow you and listen to you uh, for some uh, great work? Well, thanks, guys. Uh, yeah, at Joe Rex Road on Twitter at theathletic.com is where I write. And then uh, 102.5 in Nashville, Robbie and Rex Road, 6 to 10 in the mornings. So nice and early. Nice and early, six o'clock. Hey, I, I'm, I hope you're enjoying that. Yeah, you know, I'm used to it. I will say, like a few years ago, I don't think there's any way because I've always been a night owl. But it's it's funny how you get older and you start kind of kind of appreciating some sunrises and and not needing to stay up for like Letterman or whatever at twelve thirty. So it, it gets easier. And hey, dating yourself, Joe. I, I, <laughs> I know exactly. I tell you, I, you guys I did, know what I'm talking about. I, I did a six o'clock show for about three months, and I don't think I could have done it mm-hmm. for three months in a day. I really don't. So, um, hey, Joe, I we need a nap right now. <laughs> well, go take one, man. Hey, we appreciate you. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. See ya. All right, uh, Joe Rex Road, uh, always great stuff uh, here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. 
Thank you for listening to the Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today special guest podcast brought to you by Parks Motor Sales. Don't forget to listen each day live 9 to 11 a.m. on WKOM 1017 FM in Columbia. Also visit our website sm-tnsports.com for more local sports coverage in Southern Middle Tennessee.